episode of the Bo Sox Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Green. Happy to be back a week away from opening day as of when we're recording this. Uh, per usual, I'm joined by my excellent co-host, Dave Latham. Dave, say hi. How's it going, everybody? We are almost there. I say that every week, but this time I mean it. Yeah, I I uh, told you before we started, I, I was up at 5.30 this morning watching actual regular season baseball. So it's uh, it's getting surreal. Spring training, which is obviously a tease, is, is starting to wane, so... Let's let's get into this. This will be our next to last episode before our opening day. So really exciting stuff. Uh, also joining us is our very great and wonderful producer and co-host Chris Drozine. Chris, say hi. Hey, I was up at uh, five thirty too watching. Were you really? I was. I was awake. I did was there. You, did, was this intentional or? No, this was intentional. Yeah, I was really I was intentionally awake at five thirty. Mine was accidental. I woke up at five thirty because I had a doctor's appointment. I was like, "Holy crap! There's baseball you, on ESPN." Wait, 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 whoa! Why were you up at five thirty for a doctor's appointment? <gasps> so the I live um, forty minutes away from my doctor because it's I go to college up here, and my doctor is back where my parents' house is or in their area, and I had to drive from here, and I had to you know take a shower and get ready and everything. And my appointment was at 7.30, so it was an early start for me. Got there right on time. Yeah, that, that's about sums it up. Do I need to explain that myself further? That wasn't really all that exciting. I thought there was going to be more excitement to that. No, no. I'm, yeah, no. It was, it was nothing. <laughs> it was nothing bad. No, no emergency or anything. It was uh, kind of boring. But, yeah, we will get – this is actually going to be a different episode, guys. Dave, Chris, and myself have been – looking forward to this episode for a very long time and this will have to be titled because there's nothing that fits it better as the hot takes episode because today we're going to be firing some hot takes left and right it's going to be scorching um but we're going to start with some banter first basically our hot takes are like basically predictions that have like a little bit of a of a, of a slant to it so we'll get to that in a minute but we got to talk about some stuff that's happened since we last talked and there has been some some big news, I would say, relatively speaking. And I think the biggest one of them all came uh, after, in, in the wake of the historic largest contract in professional sports to the great Mike Trout. It was like, what, $430 million in total? Over, over 12, 12 years, years, yep. Yeah. So, um, obviously, from a Red, being Red Sox people, being Red Sox podcasters, fans, um, the immediate attention was like, wow, Trout got that money, great. But in the back of our minds, we're like, this could be a template for Mookie Betts. Sign Mookie Betts. Um, and I feel like that's where everyone's head went. And uh, Betts came out with some comments today. And Joel Sherman, I think, of the New York Post wrote an article, which kind of prompted him to speak out, where he said that the he, Betts had turned down a eight-year, $200 million contract extension um, I think it was in the off season or the off season before, uh, yeah, following the 2017 season. So at before his MVP season, obviously, I think it would be more given what he just accumulated. But Betts kind of seemed to say he doesn't really, uh, in, not in verbatim, but along the, he said something along the lines of he doesn't expect anything to happen until he's a free agent. So that is kind of sad. 
Um, I mean, good for Mookie Betts for knowing his value and, and trying to get out there. He also said that he want they had a disagreement last year, doesn't uh, disagreement over how much he's worth, um, and that it's he doesn't have any strained relationship with the team, but he just wants to be treated fairly. So now people are kind of zeroing in on these comments, or some people are freaking out saying, let's trade Mookie Betts. But I want to get everybody's opinion here because this is probably going to be a big discussion. I know we talked about it a little bit before the podcast too, but uh, yeah, Dave, you have the floor. What were you? What were your thoughts on Trout's extension, and, and obviously the more salient discussion of Betts' comments about a potential extension with the Red Sox? So Mike Trout's contract is well deserved. He's the best player in baseball, and he deserves to be uh, the highest paid athlete at his at his sport. You know, there's really nobody like him. And that includes Mookie Betts. However, Trout, what he did, he took a deal without hitting the open market. He signed with his own team, and he got paid a lot. But really, he got paid less than what the open market would have given him. I fully expect when Mookie hits free agency, I think he's going to get more than Trout, not because he's a better player, but because when you hit the open market and there's more teams bidding on you, you're going to get more interest. The price is going to go up. So I expect Mookie to break Trout's record um, in the next year or two when he hits free agency. But I think that the Red Sox are going to be the team that matches it just because you can't let yourself lose Mike. You can't let yourself lose Mookie Batch. You can't let a player that good go when you're the Boston Red Sox and you basically have all the money in the world. People are freaking out over what Mike Trout's making. And let's just put a number out there and say Mookie makes $37 million in his next contract per year. Well, the, that's obviously a lot of money, but the Red Sox spent $51 million last year on Ruznay Castillo, Pablo Sandoval, and Henley Ramirez, and they won 108 games in the World and the World Series. This, this team is able to afford contracts like this. They're able to pay Mookie Betts, and it won't ruin uh, our future. They could still build a competitive roster around him. So yeah. don't trade Mookie. No, no, Trinity Mookie, absolutely ridiculous. Mookie Betts is an icon. He is a franchise player. But in in my mind, uh, in terms of right now, if Mookie Betts went on the open market, or right now if you had to put like a fair price for Betts, given what he just did this season and given his potential and how legitimate everything he did was and how great of an athlete and all-around player he is, he does he would deserve something around what Mike Trout got. Now, I'm not saying he's as good as Mike Trout because he hasn't had the track record or the consistency, but Betts is very comparable of, of a baseball player. And if Betts does over the next two seasons what he did last year or something close to it, he may make more than Trout, especially if inflation goes up. I know people, it's a little weird in the free agent markets the past two years, but, I mean, the, the upper class usually gets paid, and Mookie Betts would be the cream of the crop. Um, and, yeah, it'll just be about whether he signs. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on this? So... Unless something changes with the market, Mookie Betts isn't going to get paid more than Mike Trout. Just because everyone's going to be like, hey, Mike Trout's making $35.8 million a year. We ain't going to give you more than that, bro. Um, as much as I would like to see all of the baseball players get more share of the proverbial pie that is the money that's brought in by Major League Baseball, I think at some point you have to be realistic. And, I, and I've been very consistent with that thought, that you have to be realistic. Like, you know, for instance, Craig Kimbrell be still being out there. Is he being realistic about what his market value is worth? Probably not. Um, and, and I don't think – I think this is more – it's more broader scheme if you want to look at – um, not Mike Trout, Mookie Betts. If you want to look at 
what he might make and what he will make and all that good stuff. It's kind of a broader scheme thing because unless something changes with the current market, he's not going to make more than Mike Trout in any scenario. At, at least I don't think so if he hits the open market. Like I, I just don't think any team's going to come up. And look, look at look at Bryce Harper and, and Manny Machado. They they had everyone was talking about how they were both going to get paid over three hundred million. Well, they had it took them a long time. And how many suitors were there? Two or three, four, maybe. You know, there's only a handful of teams that are going to shell out this amount of money. Um, and what Dave said, being that okay, the Red Sox, they they had this what was a fifty million dollars in dead money basically. That that's kind of an aberration when you really think about it, because you're not going to get Chris Sale, who obviously was a non-factor in the second half, but you're not going to get Chris Sale for fifteen million dollars a year, whatever he's making, twelve million. That's 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 weird. That's not always going to happen. You're not always going to have this happen. Um, so to say that the Red Sox can make give somebody thirty five million, forty million, whatever it is they want to pay Mookie Betts, and then continue to field a competitive team, well, that's not entirely going to happen. I mean, look at the Angels. They haven't fielded a competitive team around Mike Trout at all, um, and I, I, that speaks more to the Angels' ownership than it does to the Red Sox' ownership because um, they've been willing to spend. But I just think there's too much. There's too many variables and too many um, things in place that Mookie Betts should really, really, really think about it and say, all right, maybe I should sign an extension here. But like everything, it's a two-way street. For all we know, the Red Sox don't want to go up, go up to him and say, hey, we'll give you $400 million. So this could be, hey, Mookie Betts is greedy and a jerk, or it could be the Red Sox are being a little bit cheap like they were with John Lester. We don't know, unfortunately. Yeah, um, so you you mentioned like Machado and Harper. It took them a long time to get their deals, and we don't know how many suitors there were exactly. But I mean, bottom line, Manny Machado got, I think he's a nice template here. He got 10 years, 300 million, correct? That was the exact number, something yeah. along those lines. Mookie Betts is a lot better than that. I, I, he's a better player than Manny Machado. And I think we can both agree with that. Like, if you look at war, if you look at even like WRC plus, maybe not in 2017, but Betts has been better. And that's, again, we have to see what he does the next two years to see where his market actually shakes out. But he had a better season by F war standards than Travis had in, in his entire career. So he's some, maybe he's somewhere between that 10 year, 300 million and the 10 year, 360 million that technically Trout got because the last two years were added onto his existing contract. So maybe you go like, 350, 360, 340, whatever it is. But it's close. And again, as I and I will reiterate, if Betts does what he did last year or something close to it, I think that the market will be healthy. Uh, not, not, not for everyone, but the market will be healthy for people like Mookie Betts. It may, it may take some time, but usually these guys who are at the upper echelon of free agents get paid. And Betts, who's like, will be the cream of crops of people to hit free agents if he actually does will get paid. I just don't think I just don't think he he's going to command the dollars that Mike Trout did. I just I think honest, Mike Trout could have commanded a lot oh, more no. dollars had he gone to free agency. One thousand percent he probably would have hit forty million dollars a year, more or less likely. But it, and that all depends on there, there's so many variables in that and it depends on how how ownership works, you know what I'm saying? Like how many how many teams do we realistically see we're gonna sign Bryce Harper? What was it? Phillies, White Sox Dodgers. Dodgers, Cubs. and then San Francisco came in at the end. Cubs were never even The Yankees a were sort of kind of in it at no, the beginning. Nobody was really, yeah, they, they, were, they were a couple teams that were in it at the beginning, and then they left. 
So you were down to like three, three or four legit teams. So I, I just don't think that he's going to, he's not going to eclipse Mike Trout. There's zero chance that he eclipsed Mike Trout. And that's I why don't think zero chance. I think zero chance. You want hot takes? You want hot takes? Zero chance right now. To. Book it. I, zero I, chance. I would say like it's a 60% chance. Well, again, it's going to be dictated on how he plays. But I think it's sixty percent chance if he keeps up the trajectory he's going that he will get more if than Mike Trout. If you're the Red Sox, you hand him somewhere in the realm of thirty to thirty-five million dollars a year over the next ten to eleven years. That's what you do. That's how you get. That's how, and he should take that. If he doesn't, you let him walk. That's that's my feeling on the matter. No. No, Mookie's like priority number one. And like, in in a league where there is no actual salary cap, you can't afford to let a guy like Mookie Betts go when you have all the money in the world. And yes, maybe that means you can't sign a guy like Chris Sale. Maybe that means you have to actually develop a farm system. Maybe that means that you can only win 97 games instead of 108. But if you can't find a way with Mookie Betts, you're you're alive in organization. You're an absolute sham. And I and before you bring the Mike Trout thing up, the Angels are alive in organization and a total sham. They just don't know how they got lucky picking Mike Trout since then. They haven't drafted or signed any free agents. Well, that's because the angels are a terrible, horrible organization. Who's completely bailed out by having the best player on earth. The Red Sox aren't. Yeah, I, it, I agree. Is it, it's an entirely side thing. and I'm going to steer this in an entirely different direction. Isn't it surprising that Mike Trout's just like, you know what? I'm going to take my half a billion dollars, chill in Los Angeles and probably never win anything. Isn't that like no opt outs? That's crazy to me. Like that's that's insane. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm baffled by what he did, but I understand what he did too, especially given the market circumstances. I I and I've said this before. If I were a player, I'd be jumping all over an extension right now if somebody was handing it to me. Uh, not in not in a Mookie Betts eight eight years two hundred million thought but like a mike trout give me you know i'm the best player give me the best contract yeah i'm taking that um just because i i you don't know if there's a team out there that's going to pay you more i know we're talking about mike trout and there probably would be but you're comfort you're comfortable there how much money do you actually need like maybe that's what his thought was we don't know um but it's just surprising to me like what the contract ended up looking like yeah i mean i i think he's comfortable where he is and i mean we can't and and he's it's hard to look at how the Angels will be in five, ten years from now. I mean, obviously they haven't done a great job uh, building around Trout, but hey, Otani's going to be hopefully the the Babe Ruth, the next Babe Ruth coming in, and they'll be playing together again uh, when he's fully healthy, when he can pitch and can hit, and then you build around those two. And Otani obviously comes at a pretty cheap cost. So if you have these two superstars, we'll have to see how the Angels develop. I don't think it's necessarily given that they won't win they have money they're in a big market but it's just they have kind of strapped themselves with some awful contracts a la albert pujols after 2021 albert pujols is a free agent exactly exactly maybe there's there maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel here for them yeah and and their farm system has definitely gotten more robust it used to be like one of the worst but now there's some guys that are pretty interesting so they've had terrible luck with injuries i mean i know this is a red sox podcast an angel podcast but like Garrett Richards, especially said, the pitching staff. Yeah, Garrett yeah. Richards was supposed to be Matt like Shoemaker. the man, and he he basically died. It's basically what happened to the guy. His arm just like didn't didn't want to pitch with anymore. It's nuts. It's, it just 
it goes to show you how much of the MLB draft is just a crapshoot. Like, Mike Trout was drafted, what was he? 25th, number, I think. Yeah, 25th, yeah. He, he, all these other teams passed on him. If you look at the names of the people that, that like, were, were on the list before Mike Trout, you're like, what what happened? Like that that and that's that just speaks to the randomness of the MLB draft. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, you can get Trout twenty fifth, and then what 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 round did Mookie Betts go in again? He was the, the fifth, fifth, a round fifth rounder. Pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it, it's so weird. One hundred seventy two overall. The only reason we even signed Mookie Betts, he wanted more signing bonus, and we ended up giving it to him because. I forget the name of the guy, but he ended up playing cornerback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He decided to pursue football instead of baseball, so he used the signing money we were going to give to him and threw it on to Mookie. So wherever you are, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback, thank you. you. the world of service. Thank you for our World Series ring. Couldn't have done it without you. We should give him an honorary ring. At the ceremony. We should. Yeah, but is that – do you guys have any comments on – it, like, do you think there's a strain between Betts and the Red Sox, or well, what are your nah, thoughts on that? No, this is just—it's it, just business. It's—it's it, it's, yeah. business, but at the same time, you—you you can there. There's two sides to the coin. You either get Mookie Betts could just be, you know, taking the business part to heart and saying, "I'm going to go try to get as many dollars as I can," which is his right. He or, should. Or, and we should be the one paying him yeah, those many dollars. Yeah, it's, I don't it's see a problem right. here. Yeah, no, no. That, that, there's no problem with what he's doing. I, I have zero problem with what he's doing. Um, but on the flip side, it could be the Red Sox for all we know. We saw what they did with John Lester. Um, they, they just lowballed him. And who knows? Maybe the Red Sox don't come up from eight, eight and $200 million. That would be dumb at this point. But who knows? We, we don't know. And, and to all the people that say we should trade him or whatever, if you can't find common ground with somebody – and you get to a certain point, you really need to start thinking about future. And while I'm not saying trade him, my thought is if you go to him and you offer him Mike Trout money and he says no, yeah, I'd be on board with trading him at that point. That's just that's my hot take. If you want to start your hot take segment, that's my hot take. <laughs> We're not going to start it now, but that is very <laughs> hot. That is scorching hot because I would not trade Wookie Betts for anything. I, I like I said, there's a very specific set of circumstances that I would trade him under, and if those, and it, and it would be if I offered him the exact same money that Mike Trout is making, and he said no, I would say, all right, see you later. No, we'll talk to I, you. We'll talk I, to you next year. You're a free agent. No, That's what I no, would do. No, the only time I would do it is if the Red Sox, for some reason, start like finding themselves at the bottom of the division for the next two years, and then they're literally Mookie Betts is saying, hey, I'm not going to re-sign with you guys. And then the Red Sox have to go in a full fledged rebuild because their farm system isn't great. That's the only realist. No, it's not even if, realistic. If the twenty twenty Red Sox have everyone except for Mookie Betts get hurt and we have twenty wins at the deadline, yep. fine. But that's but it. That's the only scenario where it's even okay. I would if I if I'm the Red Sox, I'd offer him Mike Trout, uh, Mike Trout money, and if you know if he didn't take it, he's he, he's the leader. He's the best. Second best player in baseball, budding first best player in baseball. I guess maybe I guess what's got to be frustrating about it, uh, at least from a red, uh, like a red, a team's perspective, if you go to him and you offer him uh, Mike Trout money and you don't extend Sale and you don't extend Bogarts that that money, because you're thinking, okay, well we'll we'll try to go get bets for Mike Trout money, and he says no, like at that point it's just business to trade him. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's my thought on the matter. Maybe that's more of the like the fantasy baseball guy in me, um, saying that I don't 
hold attachments like that to, to, to a player, saying that, all right, if he's not going to sign and we're offering him the same exact money that the best player in baseball is getting, and he's saying, no, fine, you can leave, we'll talk to you once you're a free agent, but we're going to get something for you now other than just a, a, a qualifying offer pick. Yeah, I mean, if the Red Sox weren't in their wide-open World Series or bust right now window, Maybe, like, if we were, honestly, if we were in the position the Angels were in, I'd think about it, but I don't see why you do that now, because you're competing for championships at this instant. You're one of the probably top three favorites to win it all again, and trading Mookie Betts makes your team worse in the short term. And I, there's really no way that getting rid of a player like that helps you win a World Series in 2019 or 2020, which is what we're building for. And trust me, uh, I, I, I've joked about Bryce Brents before, but the loss in value you would go from having Mookie Betts as your right fielder to Bryce Brents as your right fielder would be catastrophic. I mean, that would. You I'm, not saying, I'm not saying. I'm not saying trade Mookie today. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like next off season because like this is going to look. This team well, is going to look. Well, then the 2020 Red Sox aren't winning at all, and chances are whatever you get back isn't going to be the even, difference. Even the 2020 Red Sox are going to look really different. I don't, th- I, I, I don't think they'll be that. I don't, yeah, I don't think they'll like, be that different. Moreland, Pierce pack are up. For Bogarts is up. Sale Moreland is up. and Pierce are, are kind of expensive. Those are, yeah, Moreland and Pierce are replaceable. Bogarts you can sign back and sale regardless of where we are financially. I wouldn't si- sign him to an extension. And let's start off that hot take. <laughs> all, right, all right, okay. We're, we're starting in hot takes. Let's just quickly review the other stuff that's happened. I've got two more topics here. Dustin Pedroia. We don't care about that year. stuff. Forget about it. We care about that. So Dustin Give me Pedroia. the Spark Notes version. Yeah, give us the Spark Notes. Let's go. I was giving you the Spark Notes. Dustin Pedroia will start the year on the injured list, uh, the IL. Um, it was obviously kind of a uh, fluid situation, whether he was actually going to start the season on the roster or not. I believe this means Red Sox now will be carrying 13 pitchers on the roster. That's exactly what it means. So they'll have eight people in the bullpen. And when Pedroia's healthy, um, they'll probably just put a reliever down. But, yeah, this was this this, this uh, makes sense. And Pedroia said something to the effect, like, they're just scared. Like, And he was joking, and he's like, I'd be ready. But, like, if, if I were my teammates, like, I'd get why the Red Sox are, just want me to be healthy. Did you guys have any quick thoughts on this? Not surprised. Um, just it goes to show again that Cora has a long-term vision, which I one of my favorite things about him. Get him right so that he can play in October. Who cares if he plays in April? Yep, exactly. Chris, I got nothing. I, okay, Dustin Pedroia to me, like, like I said, if he participates this year, great. If he doesn't, well, whatever. Yeah, he's like the ultimate wild card. I really don't know what to expect. Actually, he's not really a wild card. I feel like there's definitely uh, like a, a really kind of, not. If he plays, then he'll probably be like a two-win player, but I don't see there's like a wide range of outcomes um, for him. It's either he plays or he doesn't. It's very binary. Um, okay, other news. Chris Sale is going to be the opening day starter for the 2019 Red Sox. First game will be on Thursday against the Seattle Mariners in Seattle at 7 o'clock. You can watch that on ESPN, 7 p.m. Eastern time. I just don't want to go in with an East Coast bias, but... This is a Red Sox podcast. So, Chris Sale, opening day starter. I think we all expected this, right? Yeah. Yep. Chris, any shocker? No, not really. I mean, I, I could have seen a scenario where they let David Price start, but it's, Ooh, not, that's it's, a hot take. it's not shocking. 
Well, yeah, Evaldi wouldn't have surprised me either. But yeah, you know. those two were the those two were like the pillars of the World Series, you know, as yeah. the pitching staff went. But I mean, I, you know, Rick Porcello uh, started the year the uh, twice the year, six, year six, got, seventeen. 17, yeah, because yeah. he won the Cy Young, even though everyone in the world knew Chris Sale was going to be better. And, you know, it was the right decision to let Rick go out and take the mound. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now it's... Uh, hey, so, hot. so hot take land here. I, I, before we start this, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that are theoretically going to be on the 25-man roster that are no longer going to be on the 25-man roster next year without extensions and all that. Yeah. Eight. How many of them matter? Uh, Rick Porcello, Chris Sale, uh, Xander Bogarts, JD Martinez. Is uh, opt out. JD's gonna J- opt JD, out. JD could opt out. That could make it nine. I feel like no one talks about that. Yeah, that could make it nine. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like the 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 bets thing. Like we could be looking at a very different Red Sox team in 2020. Very different. They don't have like a, good a big downgrade. You know, we don't know. That's just, that's 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 my whole thing. Okay, Chris. Okay, that was a hot take, though. I'll, I'll that wasn't that, that wasn't a hot take. That was just looking at it like, you know, nine players could be gone from this year. I know, you know, you figure Mitch Moreland and Steve Pierce are filled from the farm system. You figure uh, Brock Holt and Nunez are filled from the farm system, or for some guy or one of them signs back or whatever. And Tyler Thornburg is like nothing. But if you theoretically lost Martinez, Porcello, Sale, and Bogarts... You're not losing all four of those guys. But what if you did? You're not going it, to. It, then you're not the Boston Red Sox, and why are you losing all four guys when you have a bottomless like pit of money? Doesn't it, doesn't it concern you guys at all that like other teams can figure out how to keep their young stars and give them extensions, but the Red Sox can't? Does it concern that, you guys? No, I I don't I don't think that's necessarily true. I I mean we haven't that's really my had an take. opportunity. I'm concerned. We about haven't that. really had an opportunity. We'll see it. We'll see how it happens with Bogarts and Betts in the next coming. Look, everything literally could change in the next years. week. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, For all we know they could all be signed I, next I week. I don't think we the don't Red know. Sox have a problem extending their young stars. So they haven't had an opportunity. I mean, like like they the haven't last had the young chance star. Yet. Yeah, the last young star I can think of who signed a big extension was Dustin Bedroya, and they that worked out uh, kind of. Porcello, yeah. Porcello signed an extension right when he got traded. He he is not that doesn't young. count. He, was he is not young, and he's not like a built-up prospect. So since Dombrowski's been here, nobody has signed an extension. Yeah, but like I mean, no one. Everyone was, really was young. To. Charrington yeah. built up. A I know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Dombrowski's the problem. Extend the guys. Yeah, ben Charrington is the unheralded hero. But, that guy's at, a freaking genius. Yeah, Give like, him, you you got to look at what like what the Yankees are doing with their stars and what like the Astros did with their stars. The Red Sox just didn't do that. And well, that, the Yankees have been done, money really problems, done it with but anyone they, like, they signed Hicks and Severino, yeah. and Severino's already hurt. Yeah. And Severino's extension only added one year to his pre-existing contract. I and, just, H- and Hicks wasn't a farm guy either. I just wonder how much of their like, how much of, and I'm sure the, the the luxury tax played into a lot of that, because they just couldn't. They were bumping up up on it, like you know the 50 million dollars dead money and all that good stuff. They were bumping up against it, and to all of a sudden start extending guys, well then you're having problems later on, you know. So that's probably the reason, more or less likely. But yeah, I, I, I I'll think, stop. I'll I stop talking about it because it makes me angry. That, because they should, they okay. should like, like you guys said, they're, they're the Boston Red Sox. They should be able to afford more than just David Price at thirty million dollars a year. But and 
they yeah. can, but and they, they will. It's like, yeah, but the thing is, it's also like, again, I, I don't know who said this cliche expression, but there are two sides of the coin. Betts and Bogarts probably want to test for agency by all indication. Bogarts is the Scott Boris class. Mookie Betts is the best player in the world who's not locked up now. So, like, they deserve to go test their value. It, it, it's and that's that's my take. Like, Bogarts and Betts, they they are trying to uh, not not like they're trying to get the most money possible. They deserve the most money possible. So that doesn't mean that they won't come back to the Red Sox or that the Red Sox have an inability of signing these guys. These are like two small sample, isolated cases of young budding superstars, not even budding superstars, young superstars just trying to test out their worth in free agency. And I don't think it's reflective of the Red Sox as an organization uh, or having like a perceived inability to sign these guys to extension. I think it's too early to make that judgment call. Maybe they all just hate Boston. No one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I hope not. I'm I mean, so I I'm I so about this whole thing. I'm so glass half empty about that whole the whole money thing and everything like that. I am so like I'm just like all right, this is going to be an entirely different team in 2020. Like that's just like where I've resigned myself. If if a team that just ate 50 million dollars can't afford to sign one of Xander Bogarts, Chris Sale, Rick Porcello, or JD Martinez, then that would be the biggest like change in like sudden change in philosophy I've ever seen. Because the Red Sox whole thing has been, you know, we, like, spend money, we were able to get these guys and lock them up. And just a few weeks ago, Henry came out and said, yeah, we messed up Lester by lowballing him, and we're actively not going to do that again. So I'm, I'm not worried about money, because John Henry has plenty to spend. There's no cap with any meaning stopping him from spending. So why should I worry about John Henry spending his own money? Exactly. All right. Now, with that, we're moving on to hot takes. And again, I guess this was a very lively discussion, but this will also get heated in here, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I, we're not just going to say the most. I, I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. We're not going to say the most off the wall stuff possible, just to, you know, just for the sake of speaking. But we will make Bryce bold Brett's predictions. will lead the league in home runs in 2019. <laughs> See that that was going to be my first hot take. So no, I'm, yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll start with you though, Dave, because I know you've been looking forward to this uh, segment for a while. So why don't you go ahead and give us your your hot take number one? Nathan Avaldi will have the second best DRA in the Red Sox rotation. Oh wow, I I could see it because Rick Porcello's value and is is more concentrated on innings. He's a guy who's not going to have uh, necessarily the best DRA. Except like 2016, um, he's a guy who gives you a lot of innings. And then David Price, I don't, I could definitely see him having ERA closer to four. He's only had one year. Well, he had two years. He's been hovering around four since he came to the Red Sox. Um, and then Eduardo Rodriguez. Who the heck knows about Eduardo Rodriguez? He can't get another fifth inning. So yeah, I could. I don't think. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good take. Chris. Yeah, that's. I. I don't. I don't think he'll have the... You said second best? Yeah, second best. Guess who's number one? Chris Sale. Mm, see, that's where, that's where I differ with one of my hot takes. Wait, uh, wait. Don't reveal it. Or you can reveal it now if you want. So... No. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I, are you suggesting that Chris Sale's about to come plummeting like... I need to hear this. Uh, my hot ahead. take is that Chris Sale is going to find some sort of injury bug this year again. Uh, about oh. halfway through the yeah. season, if not a couple months into the season, his something, something or other will start bothering him. 
and we will see the emergence of Eduardo Rodriguez as one of the better pitchers on the staff. And I can go as far as to say that he will pitch more innings than Chris Sale will. Oh, that's a lot to unwrap. Oh, yeah. oh, that is a lot to unwrap. Oh, Chris, you think Byron. It's a triple-layered triple Christmas present. Yeah, I, I think, like, I mean, I'm not completely outraged by that take. I, I think, like, be. it's hard it's hard to predict injuries. So, um, but, yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez I, I, is a guy who's also struggled with injuries, too. So, for him to get more innings than Chris Sale would would be pretty surprising. That's the part that's more hot. High. Yeah, that was a hot take for me that I'm concentrating on because his high in innings is 137.1 in 2017. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez has increased his strikeout numbers every year. He's actually walked less people every year. Like, the underlying numbers look great. Like, in the first half of the season, he might have been our second-best pitcher before he got hurt. And then he had a pretty, I would say, comparatively bad second half, especially. Didn't he have, like, a really bad stretch against the White Sox? Why do I remember that? Was he I'm like not sure really if it was the White Sox Blue specifically. Was the no, Blue that Jays? was Rick Porcello. Porcello couldn't pitch against the Blue Jays. And okay, that was uh, Junichi Tozawa could not yeah. pitch against the Blue Jays. That was awful. Somebody couldn't pitch against the White Sox. For some reason, I think it's Eduardo Rodriguez. But <laughs> After 2014, Junichi Tozawa just couldn't pitch. Though, so. That's true. My hot, t- my hot take is the Red Sox are going to re-sign Junichi Tozawa to a one-year deal, and he's going to become the closer of the Red Sox. Is that a real He's the free agent. No, no. no oh, okay. I, I, I was, was going to say. Gonna be, I was going to jump the microphone and be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> screwed uh, I'd probably just hang up. Drive down to the liquor store, buy the, <laughs> ask if they had any bleach, and just like drink slightly diluted bleach to get that take out of my mind. No, you know Dave, that, Dave, you would have to you be. Have... You're gonna drive. You're gonna drive down to me. Pick me up. Then we're gonna drive down to Pat with torches and pitchforks, and uh, Dude, set, set his apartment drive. on fire. That's we'll fly. Drive. You'll we'll fly. fly. We'll yeah. fly. All right. Yeah. Well, could you get the torches on the on the plane? Uh, no, no. I mean, it's North Carolina. You, you're you're bound to have torches near yeah, there, there, right? There's torches there somewhere. <laughs> there's a lot of farm folk around there. They yeah, need their exactly. torches. I, I I live right by a very major city. It's very industrialized here. Okay, Actually. fine. I'll just uh, I'll figure something out. I'm resourceful. Are fireworks uh, legal? No, actually, they are illegal here. It's really? South Carolina, which is on the border. Yeah, you have to go to all the way to South Carolina, which is like 20 minutes away from here. All right, so we're so. going to South Carolina, going to get some fireworks yeah. and just. Load so you're going to have to go, go even further down. That's okay. past me, and then you're going to come. Isn't back the closest airport in South Carolina to you? No, it's uh, it's Charlotte Douglas Airport. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, so sure. we'll land there, drive 20 minutes, grab some fireworks, come back, blow your place up, fly up back to Massachusetts, and call it a day. Yeah. I just want to. I, I just like want to like. I just want to debunk the myth. North Carolina is not just farmland and agriculture and rural. Hey, it my cousin not... live. My cousin lives down there. I've seen it once when I was in fourth grade. So that's kind of what I imagine the entire <laughs> state to be. I, I mean, I think people have that conception of the South, and I will say for some part, but like around Charlotte, uh, it's very industrialized, and like even Raleigh, major city. Not not okay. This isn't a North Carolina geography podcast. Um, any, <laughs> any, any more thoughts yes, it on is. the? Any more thoughts on Chris's take, Dave? Um, Chris Sale getting hurt. Um, I'm not going to bet on it happening. But oh, no, I me definitely, I could definitely see it happening. I think that that's a pretty realistic thing. I personally do believe he is on the downturn, which will feed into one of my hot takes later on in the show. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez beating Sale's inning count, though, that is, that's asking a lot. Because even when Sale, like, even if he 
gets hurt midway through the season, he racks up so many yeah. innings early on in the year because he's so efficient. Uh, I, and Eddie is just so not. That's going to be really tough for me to imagine. The one thing to cling on to hope for was last year, his injury was a freak thing. It was a collision at, sec- at a first base, whereas before it's been like, you know, a knee injury or it's basically always been knee. But there is hope that, like, you know, his body's starting to get used to the grind of a major league of a major league season, so maybe he can stay healthy this year, but I'm not going to bet on that happening. Are, are, are you ready for my hot take? Hit me. Okay. This this one is kind of hot. I mean, it's not like with your profile, your big profile people that we've been talking about. It's kind of going to be under the radar, but uh, Heath Embry is going to be as effective as Ryan Brazier in 2019. Get as out effective. of my life. As effective. Look, Ryan Brazier is projected by Zips to having an o, a 0.4 wins above replacement. Ryan Brazier is projected to have a 0.4 wins above replacement. Ryan Brazier last year, he had a good season, right? 160 RA, 283 FIP. Then you look at his ex FIP, 378. The home run rate he was running, 0.53, not sustainable. He's never done it at any other level. Plus, he had a 198 BABIP. Do you know what the average BABIP of a major league reliever is? 300, 198. Ryan Brazier is going to come back to earth. He's not going to pitch this well. He doesn't have that good peripherals. Heath Embry is a cog. He's a bad cog, but he's a cog. Like, I, 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 I feel like I am more trustworthy of what I'm going to get from Embry than I don't know what I'm going to get from Brazier. I could see Brazier maybe taking a leap, so I think Brazier has the higher ceiling. But if we're going to talk about conservative projections and estimates, I, and I, I think Hembry and Brazier are going to be very close in value this year. Oh, I don't like that at all. Because first off, XFIP is probably one of the stats I hate most in the world because it just assumes that every pitcher gives up home runs at an equal rate, which isn't the case. I get that, you know, sometimes a 310-foot pop-up can be a home run. But in my opinion, by and large, home runs are more due to if you leave a 90-mile-an-hour meatball down the middle of the plate, that's going to be a home run more than if you're pitching well. And I don't think XFIP factors that in enough. So that stat doesn't really mean anything to me. Babip, I'll give you that one. Brazier did get lucky with that. But I think he's going to be better than Hembry just because his stuff's better. He's shown, and, and, you know, this isn't the most analytical-based argument here, but he's shown the mentality needed to be an elite reliever, and I haven't seen that from Hembry enough. And I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm feeling good about Brazier. I do agree it won't be as good as it was last year, but I think he can be a decent number, uh, number two guy in the bullpen. Two counterpoints. Yes, Hembry won't tell Gary Sanchez to get the F out of the batter box. So, yeah, he loses value there. I actually don't know that. But my second point is XFIP, and I get your argument, like, why you'd be wary of it, but it has been proven statistically to be a more reliable indicator year to year for a pitcher than FIP and ERA, like in terms of predicting future ERA for pitchers. So I know every home run is not equal, but you look at Brazier's pass in the minor league, and this guy's never posted a home run rate that low. And he's not a big ground ball. Like, if he was a guy who constantly funneled a ton of balls on the ground, like a Hector Velasquez, and he, he gets a decent share, but he's not, like, up there with, like, a peripheral ground ball guys having 50 60%. He only has a 40.2% ground ball rate. So that leads me to conclude that Brazier got a little lucky with some, some, some home runs fly balls. And if that is the case, coupled with a 198 Babbitt, which kind of suggests the same thing, that there was batted ball luck in play, especially 198. I'm going to circle and highlight that. 
Um, yeah, I think Henry and Brazier are going to be close. I'm sorry. Don't hate me. I hate you. Too I late. <laughs> I, I don't hate you, Pat. Oh, Chris, thank you, Dave. I just I, think I think this whole bullpen's going to blow up in the face of the Red Sox. I, I just like we've. I know we were saying it at the trade deadline, and it didn't happen. I just, I, I I'm just so this bullpen's got me all jittery. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I, I can understand where the nerves are coming from. Um, I feel like bullpens in general are pretty fungible, but at the same time, the Red Sox bullpen compared to the Yankees bullpen, is, they're like is, light years apart. This is different than fungible. <laughs> this is the definition of fungible. <laughs> I don't think so. It's, uh, yeah, it's like fungible with AAA guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Dave, moving on, your second hot take. 2019 will be the end of the Brock Holt era in Boston. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, damn, you guys are boring. Okay, I'm going again. <laughs> 2019 will be the end of the Chris Sale era in Boston. Yeah, I agree. I I don't know if I agree. I Get I out of think here. it should. I think it should. Trust me, I think it should be the end. But I feel like you look at Bogarts and Betts, and it seems like at this point they're kind of unwilling to sign an extension, as we talked about at this point. Chris Sale seems very eager and wanting to sign an extension. So I could see him if the Red Sox have another great year and he enjoys it again. And given how vocal and adamant he is about, you know, staying in Boston, trying to get an extension, I think he's going to – I don't necessarily think it's a foregone conclusion that he'll be gone. I think it would be smart if they concentrated their resources in Bogarts and Betts, considering they're position players that don't have the health risks that Chris Sale has. But I, I don't I, – I think the Red Sox – probably will make a good attempt to sign him, and I think Chris Sale may even take a discount to stay. Mm. I don't think he'll take Any a discount. Re- I, I could see it. Uh, I, think, I think if they offered him, like, good money before the season starts, he'd absolutely take it, but if he makes it to the end of the season healthy, he's going to the biggest, uh, going to the biggest offer. Yeah, he's going to want David Price money. Yeah. yeah, and unless he can get it before the season, because I think he's yeah. worried about his body breaking down too. Oh yeah, one thousand percent. That's why he's like, "Sign me now, guys." Yeah. Hey, my phone's <laughs> on the table. Call he me, knows, Brown. He knows it's please, coming. Please, please. He, he knows it's coming this year. That's what he it can is. feel. In the, he can feel it in his body. He can feel it yeah. in the old shoulder. And he's All like right. 120 pounds, soaking wet, and like the fact he's stayed this healthy this long with that body is kind of nothing short of remarkable, especially when he has such a strain-filled. Um, delivery yeah uh chris what about you what's your what's your next hot take so personally speaking i think the red sox aren't going to be able to find an internal closer solution so Mm. personally speaking i think they're gonna have to acquire somebody at the trade deadline and personally Mm. speaking i know i'm looking like four months ahead for ahead of time here they're gonna go after hunter strickland so personally Ah, speaking that's what's happening they're not going to uh, be able to uh, solve it, and they're going to go get Hunter Strickland. Why Hunter Strickland? Because he's closing for the Mariners, and the Mariners suck. You think Hunter... I, 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 I mean, I, I, Hunter Strickland wouldn't cost a lot to get either. Yeah, this is really and, not, it's really not that hot of a take. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like that's like a low cost. I mean, like I mean, it's like a it's a thought out thought into the how future. About, considering how about, how about the they'll, di- they'll overpay for Hunter Strickland? Is that better? 
Oh, God, I can't see them overpaying. What do we have to overpay with, though? Cause yeah, that's true. I don't think, I mean, <laughs> relievers, go, relievers go for so much at the deadline. And, I mean, yeah, hell, look at what the Yankees gave up to get, give Britain last year. We probably couldn't have matched that price if we wanted. And Strickland just, is probably going to be worth more at the deadline than Britain was at last year's deadline. Oh, God, I don't know. I have, like, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't like Hunter Strickland. I'm not saying I, I'm not saying he's great. I'm just saying, in terms of relievers likely to be available, that can be better than Heath Hembry. Hunter Strickland is on that list. Yeah, he is. Hunter Strickland. They're gonna was any worth way you slice negative point two WAR last. Any year. way you slice it, yeah, he was injured a lot of it. Uh, yeah, he pitched forty five innings. Yeah, so he was injured a lot. Of yeah, it. that's not much. That's like half of what a normal reliever. Pitches. Oh, like even in his best season, he had a three sixty three FIP. That's probably Actually, better than what anybody in the bullpen's going to give you. <laughs> I, he's 32. It's not like he's a young guy. I mean, I could see him being available, but I, I think his best days are behind him. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, looking I at the numbers, I just think this looking bullpen's going to be just now, fire. I thought he was a lot better than he was. I feel like there's this perception that he's a lot better than he is, but he's, he's just good in twi- he's 2015. But that was yeah. that was that was also the yeah. Tyler Thornburg year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot has happened uh, with his career, but I mean, he's he, he's decent. Like he would be a cheaper cost. Like he would, I, oh. I think it would cost comparably to Zach Britton. With I think it would cost less than Zach Britton for the Yankees last year. So to so to contradict my exact last take, if they do find somebody internal to take over the closer role, it's going to be Tyler Thornburg. Ew! Oh boy! It's oh. going to be Tyler Thornburg. Oh boy! Gosh, that's the hottest one. Call that the fire department. Me. My God. Oh my it's God. not going to be Tyler Thornburg. It's going to be Matt Barnes. No. Please Why? explain, Chris. Uh, there's a reason that I have this thought, uh, but I didn't fully put the thought together, so please hold. So my hot take, and this, this isn't surprising to any of the listeners, especially not you guys. Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to have his second best full season offensively he is going to be much better hitter than he has been 2017 and 2018. I will say he will be an above average hitter in terms of WRC plus. He had a 90 WRC plus this year, 88 last year. And the reason I think this is because first of all, they've talked about his reworked swing. He as like across the board, it looks like he has a better approach. His exit velocity was in the top 20% last year, 91.8, which was higher than any point in his career. He was barreling 10.3% of baseballs. His previous high in 2016, when he had that great offensive season, it was 8.6. In terms of expected Woba last year, 341 compared to his actual Woba of 310. He should have been a better hitter. Launch angle, higher than it's ever been, 12.0. But his high was, came in 2015 at 11.0. Hard hit percentage, he was in the top 15% of all hitters last year, 49.6%. His previous high in hard pay percentage was 39.8. Jackie Bradley Jr., my friends, is in for a 105 WRC+. plus. Put it in the books. He'll be an all-star in 2019. Coupled with that great glove, it's going to be a thing of beauty. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I'm not sure I'm quite as bullish on him as you are, but I definitely, definitely think... Not. I, I definitely think Jackie's going to have a big uh, resurgent year. And I know it's dangerous to buy into spring training narratives, but I do think that Jackie reworking his swing is going mm-hmm. to be a, a big benefit, is going to be a big uh, improvement on his offensive output, simply because we have a track record of this type of stuff working. 
J.D. Martinez and his hitting coach essentially fixed the Red Sox bats last year, and you see a difference in Jackie's swing already, so the results should follow. I, I don't think he's going to be uh, the next, the second coming of J.D. Martinez by any means, but I certainly expect you know, an above-average bat, like you said, Pat, with fantastic fielding. He could definitely be an all-star, although I do think his ceiling is our third-best outfielder. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't disagree. I think he, I, I think he could play in, in a great year comparably to Andrew Benatendi with his kind of uh, worse trait with defense compared to Jackie's. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Chris, do you, have, do you want to rebuke me? I, I, I'm just not. I've never been a Jackie Bradley Jr. lover. I mean, I, not like I hate the guy, but I just think every year it's this is gonna be his year, and it just turns into nothing. Except in 2016, where people were like, "Yeah," and then it was, and yeah. 2019 will be the year too. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't have as many happy thoughts about Jackie Bradley Jr. as you do, man. Look. Look, three years, right? It's been three years, 2016. Jesus died, and he came back three days later. I don't, oh, my God. I don't, Jackie Bradley Jesus. I, I don't... That, Is that resurrected? This sounds offensive. Is it offensive? It sounds offensive, man. Is that offensive? I don't know. It's fine. Okay. I'm offended. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'm offended. Okay. I'm not Chris, offended. I'm, sorry. I, I'm, I'm not offended. offended. I'm just kidding. We can we can edit that out. No, we're leaving it. Jackie. <laughs> I've already. Yeah, you can do whatever. Um, but yeah, J, JBJ is going to resurrection this year, offensively. You can't say he's going to have a resurrection. He was never alive. Well, for a brief in moment 2016, in 2016. For for a brief moment in 2016, he was alive. And look, I, I I was thinking about what say that statement, and then yeah. like <laughs> I was like, you know, even the word I'm potential resurrection. Eh. You can weave all these biblical illusions. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, JBJ, gonna have a great year. Dave, next Dave. The Red Sox will win ten fewer games this year than they did last year. That's not a hot take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, uh, I don't think that's that hot. Fifteen then. Because, Let's because make by, a conversation. So, so by sheer yeah. dumb luck, the Orioles are not going to win or not going to lose the same number of games by sheer dumb luck. And the Rays, in theory, will be just as good. And in theory, the Toronto Blue Jays will be a little bit better. So I, I just don't, I just don't see the Red Sox. I, I feel like too much went right for the Red Sox last year. I think the Blue Jays could be better. I think that's a hot take. Um. Depends uh, on when they actually Vlad prom- promote Vlad. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I think the 2020 Blue Jays are a force to be reckoned with. I'm not I sure. agree. I'm not sure if the 2019 Blue Jays, they, they, they could be competitive, but I'm not sure if ownership will actually let them be. That's my biggest worry. Yeah. It's like no, the Tampa I, Bay Rays. <laughs> Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, uh, I love their team. All right, what about you, Chris? What's your hot take? I'm still working on my last hot take. Mm. Okay. So the reason, the the biggest reason from what I could, what I could tell was at one point, uh, Alex Cora said, Hey, you know, at some point it becomes about results. And I feel like after that point, and I have nothing to back this up except for the one inning that I found that he's pitched so far since then, um, is Tyler Thornburg. I think 
his he he pitched. I, I think it's literally only one inning. I'm, I'm looking since that was said, and I don't even know what day that was said. But Tyler Thornburg, I feel like I feel like was messing with something in spring training, and when push comes to shove, he's going to show up. That's just what I think. I wish I shared that optimism. I'll admit that according to the guys down there, the beat reporters, the fastball velocity is back. But he's been getting shelled, and, you know, you don't want to read into spring training too much. But at the same point, what he had is something – it's not like Tommy John where most guys come back. It's a 50-50 bet if he ever gets his stuff back again, if he ever can find that accuracy again. And, frankly, 2015 was the only year that he was ever, like, that good to begin with. So, I mean, there's really not much certain about Thornburg. You're really just – you know, hoping to catch lightning in a bottle with him. And yes, I, I like I, I like Matt Barnes. I know you're not the biggest Barnes guy, but if you look, like, ever since he first entered the majors with any regularity, he's gotten better and better and better year in and year out. By a few me- measures, he was better than Craig Kimbrell last year. I have no lack of confidence in Barnes getting the job done. What's your, what's your beef with Matt Barnes, Chris? I don't know. I think it's pro- – there's a lot of people who – can't, who are still holding 2015 2016 Matt Barnes against present day Matt Barnes? I didn't even know. I didn't even know Chris had a dislike for Matt Barnes. I so, mistrust. So I just think he, his underlying statistics match his actual statistics, and he's just not. He's not a delicious closer on my team. His his underlying statistics last year, especially when he was healthy, were very delicious. They were yeah. appetizing. That's a three-course meal. That's cra- It was better than Craig Gimbrels. Again, I haven't looked at his stats recently, so. Matty Barnes is going to be. But I, I don't think I've ever closer. had. I, I haven't really had like a a, a bad. I, I feel like every time I watch Matt Barnes, he's poops. He's watched the game, then he's he poops his pants. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Okay. I haven't watched much 2018 Red Sox. Then he was great last year. He had a three point six five ERA. He went a he went a month without allowing a run. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was uh, May. Basically, then, right when Kelly first dipped off, uh, arms went crazy. Uh, and we have, we have he to had, like... he went, his ERA by month was 2.61, 2. 2.13, 3.09, 1.46, 9.64, 5.06. It was 9.64 because he was injured and he had just come yeah, back. Yeah, then he got yeah. the hip injury. Yeah, that that's what held him back. So, a 271 FIP last year. Come on. With, about a, with a month of him playing. hurt yeah that's that's an incredible number he had a 3.335 the year before like this it's not like a one-year thing either this guy this guy is going to be the closer and i think yeah. he's going to do pretty well and his numbers get better and better each and every year which is what you want from a guy his age he's entering the prime of his career there's every reason to believe that the matt barnes we get in 2019 is going to be the best one we've ever seen mm-hmm. i agree so my hot take is kind of Again, this is on the margins. This is like nobody's going to be thinking about this person, so it's probably not going to move that many uh, head or turn that many heads. But I think Colton Brewer is going to be an integral part of the 2019 Red Sox bullpen. I know he's not looking great in spring training, and I know like his peripherals have never actually matched his ERA for certain parts. But I mean, the kid's got good stuff. He has he uh, he looks like he has somewhat of command issues, but. If you can get him right and the Red Sox are trying to work on it and the, the results haven't really shown spring training, this guy has the velo, he has the secondary pitches, 
to be an effective major league reliever. And I mean, like Triple A last year, he had two ninety three FIP, two eighty five X FIP. Um, I think this kid, this kid uh, could be really something for the Red Sox. And I think when certain guys like Tyler Thornburg or Brandon Workman or Brian Johnson or Hector Velasquez or like, I think Colton Brewer comes up after a successful stint in Paul Duckett and he he. He shows he shows that he's capable of being an MLB reliever. Replace Colton Brewer with uh, Travis Lakins, and I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I like Travis Lakins too. Yeah, just, I, I, that felt like there, you know, like Travis Lakins. I feel like is a guy kind of everyone's taking as their sleeper in the bullpen. Uh, since we're still talking about the bullpen, can I give you a Matt Barnes nugget? Tip me. In save situations, over 79 games, 69.2 innings pitched. Matt Barnes has a 5.17 ERA. He's 3-4. and four. He's given up 61 hits, 41 runs, 40 earned runs, 5 home runs, 42 walks, and 93 strikeouts. Strikeouts are cool. Um, How many innings? <laughs> 69.2. What years closer? did these it's just in? It's just in save situations. Uh, I, this is his Because if this is all early season Matt it's Barnes, his, I don't or it's early his career, career Matt Barnes, I don't care. Hold on, let me look at twenty eighteen. Actually it probably was mostly early career Matt Barnes because twenty fifteen kind of a beaten up Koji and Tozawa. Twenty sixteen twenty twenty eighteen yes. in safe yes. situations he was one and two, uh with a four point yes, zero eight ERA, twenty nine games, twenty eight point two innings pitched, twenty five hits, thirteen earned runs, fourteen walks. See, I, I, I've also never been a big believer in the narrative that certain pitchers can't be closers if they're effective relievers. I feel like if you're a good pitcher, for the most part, you can translate he, into the closer if, role. If Daniel he, Bard has not been seen over in the 20 course, years. Or, over, That's because they try to make him a starter. This is what bothers me about Matt Barnes. Over the course of his career, when you put him in the eighth and the ninth inning, for some reason, he doesn't do the same as he does in the seventh inning. Yeah, that narrative's not true anymore. I, 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 last year's stats. You want me to give you last year's stats? No, no, no. I'm already. I'm at way ahead of you, son. Fangraphs <laughs> higher leverage. Matt Barnes. Okay. 2016, or let's start in 2015. FIP 5.13. Atrocious. 2016. FIP 5.69. Atrocious. 2017. Uh, 3.61 FIP in high situations. Getting better. And then last year in 16.1 innings of high leverage pitching. Matt Barnes had a 1.94 FIP, 2.25 XFIP, okay. and, so, and 6.06 ERA. So, so how many how many of those high wrong, leverage? The, how many of those high leverage were? Uh, because I'm looking at stats from the eighth and ninth inning, and while predictive stats are great, when somebody goes 30.2 innings pitched in the eighth inning, he has a 4.11 ERA, and the ninth inning he's got six innings pitched and a 4.50 ERA. I, I, well, but the thing is, in high leverage situation, that means runners are on base, so your ERA is obviously always going to be higher than like any other leverage situation. Now, eighth and ninth inning, uh, like that is not really reflective because there are situations in the eighth or ninth that are not high leverage situations. Yeah, there's there's a lot of who gives a shit. There's like, a lot. Uh, of honestly, that. there's probably a lot of situations where Barnes is pitching who gives a shit eighth and ninth innings to save Kimbrel's arms. Yeah, for sure. Uh, see, like high leverage matters more to me because if you're gonna say. Barnes can't pitch in pressure, like it being later in the game in a five run game, that's not as high pressure as like it being, say, he's coming in in the seventh inning in a one score game 
with runners on the corner. That's a lot more pressure. So I see a high leverage that I see that, you know, maybe Barnes ERA is high, but the underlying numbers say he was just getting atrociously unlucky in a small sample. And I think, you know, I'm fine with that. That's good. Matt Barnes, I'm comfortable with if that. You look at, if you look at baseball references, high leverage, and I don't know what the difference is between theirs and uh, fan graphs. They have 34 games, 99 plate appearances in high leverage. Uh, he gave up 17 hits, 11 runs, uh, six doubles, two home runs, 15 walks, 39 yeah. strikeouts. But these his, are all counting stats. His OBP against him was 323. Yeah, but I don't care about uh, underlying numbers at, at a certain point. That's 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 the difference between me and like other people. Is that like at some point, results on the field matter. Well, you know here, here's like, the thing. Again, here's like, the thing. You can say Barnes, like, what happened was bad, but if the process behind it was good, then if you're going on what's going to happen in the future, it's more likely that the underlying stuff, based on average what would happen over a thousand times, if 99% of those times the good things are happening and it just so happened the 1% of the bad time happened that one time, he's going to be fine the next time. I guess. I I just, my, my problem with predictive stats is people get pigeonholed into them. And we're like, predictive stacks are great, but the guy's numbers are atrocious. At some point, it should level off, but it hasn't leveled off yet. You know what I'm saying? Well, this level off right. like, if, it, if it levels off in 2019, then great. Then we were, then you were right. You know what I'm saying? But if he but does the same exact thing. Leveling off in 2019 thing, is based on 16 innings. If, if this was like a 100-inning sample where it's just like, well, Barnes just can't do it for whatever reason. This is 16 innings. This is well in the range of, a ball's just bounced the wrong way for him. They only gave him 16 high leverage innings. Last year, yeah. Okay. Baseball, let, reference, let, let, baseball reference and uh, Fangrass stuff must have a different idea of what leverage is then. Because they gave yeah, him 34 they, they have games. They have different uh, computations. But let me let me counter that. So predictive stats are predicted for a reason. Like you're saying, like the, the, the results on the field actually matter. But like FIP, for example is a much better indicator of what a guy is going to have with their ERA. This is statistically proven. So that FIP number that they have in 2018 is going to be more reflective of the FIP eight times out of ten than the ERA they had the year before into 2019. So that that's that, that's why FIP and like predictive stats, and I get why people have some reservations, I guess. But at the same time, they're not they're called predictive for a reason because they actually are better indicators of what you do. They don't just exist as in like a fairy tale land if everything went right. They are actually telling you what is more likely to happen in the future. Personally, and what? Yeah, and, and, personally, and I like the, the using biggest... I like using predictive stats within the season. Once you get out of the season, I just don't like it. It, it doesn't to me. It doesn't indicate what's going to happen the next year. That's, no, that's I mean it's never thought. perfect, but year to year statistics. And, and here's the thing about that's been that, proven like, to be the case. So there are a lot of people out there who said say like, well, his is this therefore this will happen the nature of predictive anal- analytics and really just statistics in general is that you know maybe there's an 80 percent chance something goes good not enough people acknowledge there's a 20 percent chance it goes wrong of course that is a thing that could happen a lot of people just look at fip and say well this should happen therefore it will next time it doesn't quite work like that however based on the numbers the barnes underlying numbers and what we have to see i fully expect him better and yeah, obviously, like we're we're just using FIP as example. It's not like all encompassing, but I mean, at the same time, as you said, like the twenty percent could happen. But like, if you have an eighty twenty odds, you're you, you're gonna bet on the eighty every time. I mean, like 
the eighty the eighty is a is a much more reflective and likely result than the twenty percent reflective. Yeah, and the Red Sox should have a deeper bullpen. This isn't saying that you know going in with the plan being Matt Barnes and nobody else is like you know fantastic, but I feel perfectly fine with Barnes. It's the guy behind guys behind him for if Barnes doesn't pan out for whatever reason that I'm worried about. Well, you, my my feeling, my issue with the bullpen is if you move Matt Barnes, it's kind of what you just said. If you move Matt Barnes to the closer role, who the hell takes up his what he was doing? Like that's Heath <laughs> Hembrick. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Brian Brazier, don't even wish that evil upon me. Heath Hembry is not that bad. He's it's not good. Good. I mean, he's not good. I'm not saying he's good, but he's not bad. I got another hot take. Let's do it. Eduardo Nunez bounces back. I agree. Eduardo yeah, I think Nunez. he's going to bounce back too. Oh, okay. I've been preaching that. Say. I've been preaching that one for a while. He played last year. He started the year six months removed from. I didn't think I could play again after my knee injury, and he was ready for opening day. He played the entire season on one knee, and then basically final destinationed his way through the regular season and playoffs. So he's had a full season to get healthy, and I think that he's going to be better this year. Okay, yeah, I, I think Nunez is going to be better. Uh, I think he's maybe a, a win-plus player if he gets playing time. Yeah, so we all agree. Yeah. Anyone else have hot takes to dish out? Uh, not sure how hot this one is. Um, and I want to emphasize here, I'm making this take based on what I think will happen, not what I think should happen. Darwin's and Hernandez starts the year as the seventh inning man. Yeah, now, uh, you think he's going to start this year? This year. Wow, okay, see, I, I know you've taken the stance that you think it would be better if he starts in the minor leagues, but I didn't think you actually thought he would start the year with the team. I mean, the fact he's still there, the fact we have, like, really no bullpen options, and the fact that he's tearing spring training up and... Outside of Barnes, probably is the best st- pure stuff of anyone in the bullpen right now. I mean, if the Red Sox are really going all in and saying, look, he's not a starter, just call him up now. Like, and it worst comes to worst, it doesn't work. You send him down to Pawtucket or Portland, and you don't waste uh, accruing any service time because he wouldn't spend enough time in the majors. Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't like that this is going to happen, but this is what... No, I mean, I posted on the Twitter account that if I had to choose eight people from the remaining open candidates, I, I would have Hernandez on my roster, so no coral here. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, Hernandez? I don't really have a coral. I think he should start in the minors, but just to keep out everybody together, like, to not have to get rid of somebody, but I I, I could see a situation... Camp, uh, not camp, camp. In, uh, on the opening day roster. Okay, what about uh, any other hot takes from anybody? Bobby Dahlbeck's at the trade deadline. Wow. That's actually pretty spicy. He's going to go for Hunter Strickland. Overpay. I hope that would be a huge <laughs> That would be a big overpay. But no, look, you know how Dahl- mad would be? <laughs> Bobby Dahlbeck has fantastic potential. No one denies that. If you're going by ceiling alone, he's the best prospect in the Red Sox system. However, he's older than Chaffis, so anyone who's saying, well, just give him time to learn how to hit a curveball, it's more likely than not going to happen. So, unfortunately, that's very evident of our corner infielders. we got Devers, Chaffis, Hakimi, uh, Howlett, Diaz, Northcutt, um, uh, 
uh, uh, what's his face? Casas too, of course. So we have that's like the one position in our farm we have a lot of depth we can afford to trade. And I think the reason Dalbeck spent a little bit extra time in the major league camp is because we were trying to get something out there for scouts to look at and make an offer. He's probably going, maybe not even at the deadline. Dombrowski likes to get his deals done early. I think uh, the first good offer for a reliever Dombrowski can get, Dalbeck's gone. Do you think this is like the hot time to sell Dalbeck? I do. I, I do to an extent because I think he's that there is a chance that. Dahlbeck just goes crazy, finally figures it out, and becomes, you know, the Red Sox answer to Aaron Judge. But I think it's more. I think there's a much more realistic world where Dahlbeck goes down to AAA, hits his few mammoth home runs, like makes contact on a lot of fastballs, but strikes out a lot, keeps getting fooled by curveballs, and teams sort of just around the league stop trying to see everything Dahlbeck could be and start seeing what he most likely will be. So I wouldn't be surprised if we tried to trade him now while he's still um, a relative unknown for a team hoping to see the best in him. Could he be packaged with Sandy Leone for a reliever before opening day? I could see that happening. Maybe not before opening day because that's so short, but I could see it happening. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting that we've had like no – not interesting. I mean, we saw time, but there's been no clarity on the catcher situation either. Yeah, zero clarity. Did uh, I thought I saw somewhere in some land of social media that they're going to name a closer. Oh, really? Yeah. I heard that Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier were playing ping, playing pong, ping pong for pong. the water. Yeah, and then Brandon Workman walked in and said, is this sort of the closing rule? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, but here's an update. Chris Mason tweeted this today. Um, Red Sox catchers thus far, and it has each of their lines. Spring training, small sample, whatever. Blake Swihart, 360 average, 385 OBP, 480 slug. Sandy Leone, 222 average, 344 OBP, 3033 slug. Christian Vasquez, 138 average, 138 OBP. Can't even draw a damn walk, 172 slug. They should really, Not great, they, they really need to let Swihart try it out. Like, they... The, the Red Sox really need to let him try to be the everyday catcher. I don't think they need to, but like at the same time, or at least two yeah, out of three more more potential than Leo. Yeah, like he should so. be he should be catching two out of three. You know what I'm saying? Like, like or two, two, not, out, two out, out of three, three, two out of five is what I mean. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No. I I think him and Vasquez theoretically with sharing time wouldn't be the end of the world. I wouldn't be vehemently opposed. I don't even know if I'd be opposed. I think it's the best solution. Yeah. Yeah. So Sandy Leon's gone. Trades. Sandy so, Leon. Trades. Sandy yeah. Leon. I think I think that's gonna do it though, guys. Um, Dave, do you have a departing thought or hot take you want to leave us with? <laughs> um, I'll just do the usual that uh, Darwin's and Hernandez is a starter. Although I, I've accepted the Red Sox and I viewed this situation very differently. So I'm moving on to Tanner Huck as a starter. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, my, de- my departing thought departing is thought. that MLB needs to get their shit together. Because why would you send two West Coast teams to Japan and play the game at 2.30 in the morning, West Coast time? Major oh, League true. Baseball is the worst at promoting their own product. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like They're atrocious at it. Straight up. Why are we playing two West Coast teams in a place that is... That is, uh, you know, gonna cause it to be two thirty in the morning for that team to be for those fans to be watching it. If you pushed it until 
7 o'clock, then they would have had the 4.35 a.m. start time that the East Coast people got to see. It's like, yeah, it's I like, mean, what regardless, regardless, it's an ungodly hour. Yeah, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was up. We were up. But yeah, guys, uh, I don't have a hot take or a departing thought. So let's just, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to this. This was the 44th episode. Um, we're going to have one episode before the opening day, an, an additional episode, hopefully, before opening day starts. Um, so look forward to that. That's too. where we're getting our bet book out. Yeah, we're gonna do our bet book. Chris yeah. gonna have to keep tabs. I'm gonna make somebody. some. I'm gonna make some over unders or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'll we're gonna be doing a out. betting episode. Yeah. yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, but this yeah, is when on. like the podcast starts getting good. We are officially yeah. putting Alex Cora's water uh, sunflower seeds in the rearview mirror. That uh, was JD fun. Martinez riding elephants. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we we've had a good offseason. You know, we 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 were uh, we were wondering how we were gonna get through this thing, but we we did a damn good job. We did a job. Yeah, we, we did a, a damn we, we good did, job. We did a job. <laughs> but yeah, follow us on Red Sox and Filtered. You can fault like us and follow us on Facebook too, Red Sox and Filtered, and Red Sox and Filtered dot com. Red Sox and Filtered, Red Sox and Filtered. Um, you can listen to us on a variety or this podcast on a variety of platforms, including. Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and if our full parts affiliate at Girling Truth posts it, you can go on even more places like iHeartRadio. So please check us out. Please interact with us this season. It's going to be an even better one for Red Sox and Filter. It's going to be an even better one for the Boston Red Sox. Actually, that'll be hard to do. But it's going to be a great <laughs> Red Sox season, guys. So, so yeah. Uh, as always, go Red Sox and enjoy, hopefully, watching five... 30 a.m. baseball. We got another one tomorrow as of when this podcast is recording. So, yeah, go socks. need to just do like a blooper I'm gonna, reel. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna create a blooper like... <laughs> Do you want me to go with mine and then see if you can no, we're just resurrect play, we're, we're just gonna play some Jeopardy music. I don't, I don't know Jeopardy music. Do, 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 do. I do know Jeopardy music. Yeah, who, yeah. Doesn't, who doesn't know Jeopardy music? Everyone knows Jeopardy music. This is great radio. I assume this will be edited out. You, 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 can, you can do the next thing. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll come back to my Tyler Thornburg take here. I'll okay. get it on the next round. Chris? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready.